Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the podcast. And today, I'm going to go my review of AEW's Full Gear. Before I get in the show, I want to go over some news, notes, and rumors that's been going on with AEW before before I get into the whole review about Full Gear, which was an absolute crazy night in itself. Uh, number one, man, one of the biggest things I want to get into is this Continental Classic tournament. Now, during uh, the Full Gear show la- uh, on Saturday night, obviously they had zero hour. Uh, Eddie Kingston had a match. He was defending the Ring of Honor World Championship against Jay Lethal, um, which Eddie Kingston was uh, able to become victorious in that match and retain the uh, Ring of Honor World Championship. After the match, though, he had an interview backstage with Renee, and Eddie Kingston says that he wants to be a part of this Continental Classic tournament and that he's throwing his name into the hat as far as being a part of the tournament, which I think is absolutely great. I think Eddie Kingston... Is one of those underrated talents. Um, obviously, currently right now he is the Ring of Honor World Champion as well as the New Japan Strong Open Weight Championship. Um, when he announced though that he wanted to be a part of this tournament, a couple things I took away from this. Number one, Kingston said that he will defend both the Ring of Honor Championship and the New Japan Strong Open Weight Championship in every single match that he is in during his time in the tournament, which is absolutely awesome. So whoever beats Eddie Kingston becomes a new Ring of Honor. And New Japan Strong Openweight Champion. So that's absolutely awesome. Now a lot of people were speculating as well with this uh, Continental Classic Tournament. What is the winner going to receive? What is the winner going to get? Is it going to be a future title shot? So on and so forth. So Eddie Kingston kind of let you know the cat out of the bag, if you will. And said that the winner will get a championship. And not just the Ring of Honor and New Japan Strong Championship. But the new possible AEW Championship, which will be the Continental Championship. That is correct. Now, a lot of people are probably confused about, you know, hey, what the hell is going on here? AEW already has a lot of titles. Well, it looks like AEW might possibly be adding another title into the mix for AEW, which will be the Continental Championship. My take on this, number one, it, this tournament, the tournament that AEW is going to have is, to me, and the way they're, like, they're basing this, you know, this tournament is exactly how the G1 is in New Japan. And if you guys are not familiar with the G1 in Japan, New Japan Pro Wrestling, it's a phenomenal tournament. It, the tournament's awesome. It spans for, I think, weeks, if not months, uh, in New Japan. And it's the, literally the best of the best. You know, they used to have the Super Juniors as well. This, you know, G1 is just some of the, the best of the best, the elite, if you will, in New Japan. And they just have crazy matches. You have Group A, Group B, Group C, Group D. And they all compete in this round-robin tournament. And it's kind of the same thing we're getting now with this Continental Classic tournament in AEW over in the States. Tony Khan and even Brian Danielson had mentioned that they want this tournament to kind of be kind of be like the G1, but the G1 in the U.S. Some of the best versus the best. And for what it's worth, some of the names that have been announced for this tournament are not bad names at all. I mean, you have the likes of Brian Danielson, Andrade, Mark Briscoe, um... Eddie Kingston. You also have possible uh, Takeshita coming. I know Takeshita uh, put something on Twitter the other day saying that he really wants to be a part of this tournament. Um, that he wants to have, you know, you know, win all three belts. Kind of like how All Japan Pro Wrestling was back in the day where the champion usually had all three championships. You know, with people like uh, Kawada and uh, Masawa and stuff like that over in All Japan Pro Wrestling. You know, when you were the champion over in uh, AJPW... You carry three belts, you know, whether it was Stan Hansen or Vader or, like I said, Mazawa, stuff like that. I mean, and, uh, all Japan Pro Wrestling were known for that. You know, it was the Triple Crown Championship. So 
it's kind of the same dynamic we're getting here with this Continental Classic tournament, which I'm all for it. I think it's great. You know, if Takesha ends up joining this tournament, it only makes the tournament even better. And there's still other names. I think there's still, what, eight names left to fill out this 12-team format for this tournament. We already have four names already uh, with the names that have already been listed. So to add eight more names, possibly Takesha, maybe Daniel Garcia, Ricky Starks, John Moxley, Claudio Castanoli. Um, it has to be the best of the best. I do not want to see a Jeff Jarrett in this tournament. Jeff Jarrett should be far away from this tournament. Um, and right now, it, it's shaping out to be you know, the best of the best that AEW has to offer, and I'm absolutely all for it. So um, it does look like the winner of this tournament will be a Triple Crown champion, whoever wins this tournament. They will hold the New Japan Strong Openweight Championship, the Ring of Honor World Championship, and for what I understand now, a new AEW championship known as the Continental Championship. So definitely looking forward to that and definitely looking forward to who's going to win this Continental Classic Tournament. Uh, moving on from that, Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey made some small headlines uh, here recently in professional wrestling. She had uh, a couple matches here, well, one on the indies with Sammy Callahan's promotion, uh, Pro Wrestling Revolver, where she teamed up with Marina Shavir in a tag team matchup against Athena and, I believe, Billy Starks from Ring of Honor. Uh, which that match led to another match for Ronda Rousey where Ronda made her Ring of Honor debut um, and, you know, kind of made an impact with Ring of Honor and stuff like that. Um, to be honest with you, I know a lot of people were against this. They're, you know, like, why is Ronda coming in and being a part of, you know, AEW slash Ring of Honor, so on and so forth. Number one, I will say this. I commend Ronda due to the fact that she went from WWE and then went to an indie show because it kind of shows that she has love for professional wrestling. So you have to give her credit where credit's due on that. Whether she was teaming up with Marina Shafir, who obviously Marina and Ronda are really close friends, um, you know, it, it made for a great match, a great moment. And not only that, it, it shows you that she has love for professional wrestling. Um, now, with that being said, why is Ronda, with, is Ronda signed to Ring of Honor slash AEW? As far as I'm concerned of what I've been told, it is a handshake deal between Tony Khan and Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey is currently not signed a contract with Ring of Honor or AEW. That has not happened. Um, with that being said, do I think we will still see Ronda Rousey possibly on Ring of Honor? Yes. I, I think the belief is, is that there will be a match between Athena and Ronda Rousey at Ring of Honor's next pay-per-view, uh, which is sometime in early to mid-December uh, for Ring of Honor. And Athena and Rousey will have a match at that point. But um, I can understand why Tony Khan, again, didn't sign a contract with Ronda Rousey, but it's a handshake deal. I mean, obviously the big elephant in the room is that, you know, a lot of speculation around AEW, Ring of Honor, trying to be, you know, getting getting on a streaming platform. And the main one everybody's been talking about, including myself, is HBO Max. Because, you know, obviously Time Warner and stuff like that and Warner Media. Um, adding, bringing in Ronda Rousey might help Tony Khan and Ring of Honor get that streaming deal with Max. Um, do I think it's a great idea? Absolutely. I've said it from day one when this whole thing was a you know a whole idea about you know AEW partnering up with HBO Max to be a part of a streaming deal for AEW. I think AEW should be on that streaming service because at this point they have the catalog. And for what it's worth, I, I know there's some fans out there that are Ring of Honor fans and, and they're happy with Ring of Honor and and what Ring of Honor and Tony Khan's doing with Ring of Honor now. To me, the brand's dead, man. I, I hate saying that because Ring of Honor has had a lot of great moments, a great matches, a lot of great superstars that have made names for themselves on the Ring of Honor brand and have moved on and made themselves superstars today. Guys like Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, 
Um, that's just the name of a couple guys that were on Ring of Honor. I mean, the Bucks, Page, you know, Brian Danielson. I mean, Ring of Honor at one point was that brand. It was a brand that, you know, it was one of those brands on the indies at the time where everybody could go and, and really put on banger matches to get eyeballs not only on Ring of Honor, but themselves to get into a New Japan or a WWE. And that's not what the brand is. Right now, to me, Ring of Honor is AEW's developmental. It's a glorified AEW dark or AEW elevation. Uh, it's just not getting the notoriety that it once was. And, you know, for me personally, as an AEW fan and just a wrestling fan in general, um, I'm quite frankly, I'm getting tired of seeing Ring of Honor stuff on AEW. I mean, for example, how many times have we seen the Ring of Honor six-man tag team championships being defended on AEW television? AEW has its own six-man tag team championships that are really not really being defended. Billy Billy Gunn and the Acclaimed hold those belts, and they're not doing a damn thing with them. But here we are seeing the Ring of Honor tag team championships being defended on Dynamite Television. You know, I think the Ring of Honor stuff needs to stay over in Ring of Honor, and Dynamite needs to focus on what they have as of late and as of now. Because if they're even adding or contemplating adding another belt, I believe that's eight championships in total that AEW has on their brand. That's a lot of damn belts to, you know, have on one show. You know, number one. Number two, it's just Ring of Honor, like I said, man, it's just a dead brand. Um, if Ronda can help them get on HBO Max... I'm all for it. I think it's better for both Ring of Honor and AEW. I think it's a win-win because at the end of the day, Ring of I truly believe Tony Khan bought Ring of Honor based upon the fact that of the first All-In. That was a Ring of Honor production. That was not an AEW production. And that's really what, you know, started this whole deal with AEW. I mean, that show alone really, you know, catapulted, you know, the Bucks and Tony Khan to get into business and, you know, start AEW. Um, so I'm sure, you know, the Bucks and everybody else that were on that show really wanted Tony Khan to purchase Ring of Honor to get that match, to get that pay-per-view. And now it's a part of their library, and now Tony Khan owns it. And who knows what else he owns from Ring of Honor, but I would put it on HBO Max, and hopefully Ronda will help Tony Khan, you know, solidify some kind of deal between, you know, AEW, Ring of Honor, and HBO Max. That's what I'm hoping for. So it's still yet to be seen, but, you know, fingers crossed. And uh, my final news and notes that I have is the Young Bucks. And I know I possibly mentioned this last week. Uh, Matt and Nick Jackson, you know, obviously they go from being a baby baby face tag team to a heel tag team, especially after they lost the six-man tag team championships against the Gates of Agony. Um, And Paige, you know, kind of took off and left the the Bucks hanging to chase after Swerve, which caused them to lose the six-man tag team championships for Ring of Honor. And the Bucks have kind of turned heel. They went from baby face to heel. Um, and I know there was a lot of speculation about their EVP status. Now, for what I found out is that the, the removal of the EVP status on AEW's website was supposedly a computer error and they had now fixed that. And now if you go on the website, from what I've been told, you will see the EVP above Matt and Nick Jackson. The other thing I want to get into about the Bucks is after the match they had at full gear, it's been no, you know, they notified Tony Khan that they want to take some time away and take some time off. Now, this might be per storyline. There's been a lot of speculation around, around the Young Bucks, uh, especially with this heel turn and where they want to, and the, the direction they want to go in the foreseeable future with AEW because they signed, they just signed a contract extension with AEW, I think, for another five years. So uh, it's really, at this point, it's like, what's next for the Young Bucks? And, you know, there's also been speculation that, you know, Matt and Nick Jackson might also bring someone else in to join them. Uh, when they do return, and who knows who that may be. Now, 
I also believe, and what I've been told, is that the Being Elite series that they have on YouTube, which is awesome, um, is going to kind of tie into the storyline with what the Young Bucks are going to be doing leading up to the return back to AEW. Uh, this is not a hiatus or anything else like that. They're not, you know, pissed off with Tony Khan or AEW. It's more or less they're just taking some time away to readjust and kind of figure out what the hell they're doing and what the hell's going on right now. And honestly, I'm I'm not against it. I'm really not because at the end of the day, you know, it was the same thing I said about Paige, which I'll get into because Paige and Swerve had an absolute crazy ass match at Full Gear, which I will get into here soon. But you know, it's the same thing with Adam Page and when it pertains to the fact with the Young Bucks and what the hell do you do next? Now, when Page and Swerve had their thing and it's been a phenomenal storyline between both Swerve and Page, I kind of feel like the Young Bucks are at that same part right now in their careers. What's next for the Young Bucks? What are they going to do next? You know, who are they going to chase after next? I know they just had that match at Full Gear with the Golden Jets. They lost that match. So Omega is still going to team up with uh, Jericho and... You know, they lose their number one contendership to the uh, Omega to Jericho, and now Jericho and Omega are the new number one contenders for the AEW Tag Team Championship. So, like I said, where does this leave the Bucks? And I think that's the reason why they're taking a high, you know, a hiatus, if you will, a little bit of time off. Um, and you know, obviously they're going to come back to AEW, but maybe just kind of you know re and you know, I don't know. Maybe it's just a you know creative standpoint right now, and for what it's worth, AEW's creative has been absolutely horrendous, but. I think it's a time for the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson, to kind of reevaluate what they want to do as a tag team moving forward. And it gives these other tag teams on the roster an opportunity to shine, like a Ricky Starks and Big Bill, uh, Drillistico and Roosh, Best Friends, you know, the Lucha Bros, if they figure out what the hell they're doing. It just elevates other tag teams. You know what I mean? Like, we're still waiting on the return of uh, Dante Martin to team up with Darius Martin again, a part of Top Flight. So, I mean, the tag team division needs to have a little bit more spotlight into it again. And the tag team match they had at full gear in that ladder match was absolutely incredible. But I think the Young Bucks need to step back, reevaluate, come up with a game plan, and then return and just take over the tag team division once again. And I think that's exactly what the Young Bucks, if I was the Young Bucks, that's exactly what I would be doing. But, besides all the news and notes and rumors, let's get into this crazy-ass show called Full Gear, man. This show was absolutely incredible. Uh, starting off the show, we had the Zero Hour. It is uh, it kicks off with Eddie Kingston versus Jay Lethal for the Ring of Honor World Championship. The match itself, man, it was a good match. Back and forth matchup between Kingston and Jay Lethal. Eddie was keeping the pace of the match, but Eddie and Jay both exchange in the middle of the ring. Jerry then attacks Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston then somehow gets up, hits an exploder suplex on Jay Lethal in the middle of the ring. Jay then gets up, hits an elbow drop on Kingston for a near fall. Eddie and Jay try to fight to grab the guitar from Jeff Jarrett. But Ortiz is here. Ortiz then grabs the guitar and hits Sanjay Dutt on the outside, which allows Eddie Kingston to hit the finish. Pins for the three, and your winner of the match, and still Ring of Honor World Champion, is Eddie Kingston. Hats off to Eddie Kingston for getting the win in this matchup. Moving on from that, we go into our next match of the night. It is Buddy Matthews versus Claudio Castanoli. Again, thought this was a really good matchup. Back-and-forth matchup between Matthews and Castanoli, with Castanoli keeping the pace of the match. Castanoli then hits a giant swing on Matthews in the middle of the ring, but Matthews gets up, hits a devastating powerbomb on Claudio. Claudio then hits a powerbomb of his own on Buddy Matthews, and then Claudio applies a sharpshooter on Buddy Matthews. Matthews taps out, and your winner of the match is Claudio Castanoli. Hats off to Claudio Castanoli for getting the win in this matchup. Moving on from that. 
We go into our next match of the night. It is for the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships. It is MJF teaming up with Samoa Joe to defend the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships against the Gun Club. I thought this was a good match. Uh, back and forth matchup between both teams with MJF and Joe keeping the pace of the match. MJF then motions to the crowd for the kangaroo kick, but Joe quickly tags in. Adam Cole was here. Cole comes down to the ring and crutches, but Joe ultimately applies a submission hold. And your winners of the match and still Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions are MJF and Samoa Joe. After the match, the Gun Club then attack MJF. Austin Gunn then hits MJF with multiple chair shots on his legs. Referee then calls for the doctor. A stretcher comes down to the ring. MJF then is on the stretcher getting wheeled out to the back to an ambulance. MJF then gets uh, taken away. But before he gets taken away, he yells at Cole to make sure they don't let Jay White take the title away from him. So again... A lot of speculation, a lot of stuff going on before we get into the beginning of Full Gear. Uh, moving on from that, we go into our first official match of Full Gear. It is a six-man tag team matchup. It is Nick Wayne teaming up with Christian Cage and Luchasaurus versus Darby Allin, Sting, and Adam Copeland. Uh, a couple of things I want to say about for, about this match before I you know, get into it is that the entrances for... Uh, Christian, awesome. I thought it was absolutely awesome. And the entrance for Sting, Darby, and Adam Copeland, having Sting come down to the ring, they all have uh, the same bats as Sting. They're all wearing the you know the jackets like Sting would wear and the face paint. It was absolutely awesome, man. It just made the match 100 times better. Uh, the match itself, fantastic match. Back and forth matchup between both teams with Darby, Sting, and Copeland keeping the pace of the match. Luchasaurus then hits a choke slam on Darby Allen. Tilly outside with Darby landing off the apron. It looked absolutely brutal. Darby then somehow gets up, hits a code red off the top. Copeland then hits an impaler. Flair then attacks Christian ringside. Christian then hits a low blow on Flair. Sting then hits a stinger splash on Luchasaurus. Copeland then hits a spear. And then Darby Allen ultimately hits a coffin drop off the top rope. Pins for the three. And your winners of the match are Darby Allen, Sting, and Adam Copeland, hats off to Darby Allen, Sting, and Adam Copeland for getting the win in this matchup. Moving on from that, we had Tony Schiavone in the ring interviewing Bullet Club Gold. Well, Jay White, if you will. Jay White is here. Tony announces that MJF is injured and that the match is canceled. After that, Adam Cole, music hits. He comes down to talk to Schiavone. Cole says that he will step in for MJF in the main event. And it looks like we're going to get Cole versus Jay White. For the AEW World Championship in the main event for full gear. Again, a lot of things heating up. And this whole storyline is getting hot and heavy, man. Um, moving on from that, we go into our next match of the night. It is the, it is for the AEW International Championship. It is John Moxley versus Orange Cassidy. This was a good match. <coughs> Back and forth matchup between Moxley and Cassidy. With Moxley keeping the pace of the match. Cassidy then hits a DDT for a near fall. As well as a stun dog millionaire. Moxley then gets up, hits a pile driver on uh, Orange Cassidy for a near fall. Orange Cassidy then lands multiple orange punches on Moxley for a near fall, but Orange Cassidy ultimately hits a beach break on Moxley, pins him for the three, <coughs> and your winner of the match is Orange Cassidy. Hats off to Orange Cassidy for getting the win in this matchup. <coughs> After that, we have a little video vignette, if you will. It is Mark Briscoe. Pretty much announcing that he is going to be a part of the Continental Tournament. Now, again, I mentioned this earlier before before I got into the whole full gear uh, card itself. 
that a lot of the names that are stacking up for this Continental Tournament are being, it's absolutely incredible. Um, they have four names so far. I think it was, it's Danielson, Andrade, Eddie Kingston, and Mark Briscoe that have so far been announced uh, for this tournament. And this tournament will start this week on Dynamite. Uh, and I'm definitely looking forward to this tournament, man. It's going to be absolutely incredible. Moving on from that, we go into our next match of the night. It is for the AEW Women's Championship. It is Tony Storm versus Sheeta. Uh, it was a good match. Back and forth matchup between Storm and Sheeta. Storm and Sheeta then both exchanged. Storm was keeping the pace of the match. Storm then hit Sheeta with a shoe for a near fall. <coughs> Sheeta then hits a Falcon Arrow. Tony Storm then applies an ankle lock, but the hold is broken. Sheeta then hits attacks Luther with the kendo stick. But Tony Storm ultimately hits the finish on Sheeta. Pins her for the three. And your winner of the match and new AEW Women's Champion is Tony Storm. Hats off to Timeless Tony Storm for getting the win in this matchup. Moving on from that, we have another announcement. Like I said earlier, Eddie Kingston announces that he's going to enter the tournament and be putting his Ring of Honor World title and New Japan Strong Openweight title on the line throughout the duration that he's a part of the tournament, which is going to be absolutely awesome. Moving on from that, we go into our next match of the night. It's for the AEW Tag Team Championships in a ladder match. It is the Kings of the Black Throne versus Rush Interlistico versus FTR versus Ricky Starks and Big Bill. Um, I thought this was a really good match. Back and forth matchup with all teams involved with FTR trying to keep the pace of the match. Wheeler then hits a paw driver off the ladder. Ricky then hits a spear on Roosh and Drillistico. Ricky and Malachi then both exchange in the middle of the ring with Brody hitting a paw driver off the ladder. But Ricky Starks ends up going up the ladder to grab the championships. And your winners of the match and still AEW Tag Team Champions are Ricky Starks and Big Bill. Hats off to Ricky Starks and Big Bill for getting the win in that match and retaining the AEW Tag Team Championships. Moving on from that, we go into our next match of the night. It is for the TBS Championship. It is Julia Hart versus Chris Statlander versus Sky Blue. I thought this was a great match as well. Back and forth matchup between Julia Hart, Statlander, and Sky Blue with Statlander keeping the pace of the match. Julia Hart and Sky Blue were trying to work together, but Julia Hart ends up attacking Sky Blue. Hart then hits a moonsault off the top rope for a near fall. Sky Blue then hits a code blue for a near fall as well. Statlander then gets up, hits a tombstone on Sky Blue. Julia then throws Chris out of the ring. Julia then goes for the cover on Sky Blue, pins for the three. And your winner of the match and new TBS champion is Julia Hart. Hats off to Julia Hart for getting the win in this matchup. Moving on from that, we have Tony Schiavone in, well, on the stage at first, talking about the signing that he's in the ring. Uh, he's trying to talk, you know, hype up the announcement. Stuff like that of the brand new signing to All Elite. And that new person that signed their contract with AEW is none other than Will Ospreay. Ospreay signed his contract and he is now All Elite. But when Ospreay grabbed the microphone, he addressed the fans after he had signed his contract that he says that he wants to come to AEW immediately, but he also wants to finish up his time and, you know, be a part of New Japan for, until the end of his contract, February 2024. So it looks like we're not going to get Osprey until Revolution 2024, and Osprey is going to fulfill his contract uh, contract duties with New Japan and finish out his time with New Japan, uh, which is absolutely awesome. Um, but again, 
we're not going to see Osprey until Revolution 2024. So definitely looking forward to that. Moving on from that, we go into our next match of the night. In my opinion, the match of the night. It is Adam Page versus Swerve in a Texas death match. This was a phenomenal matchup. Uh, Page quickly attacks Swerve. <coughs> Page and hits a buckshot lariat quickly on Swerve. Page and attacks Swerve with a staple gun. It looked absolutely brutal. Swerve then gets up, hits a Death Valley driver off the apron on uh, Page off the center block. It looked absolutely brutal. Swerve then hits a pod driver. Page then hits a moonsault to the outside using a barbed wire chair. Page and hits a tombstone on Swerve. Swerve then gets up, hits a pod driver on a barbed wire chair. Swerve then hits a foot stop. Swerve then po uh, pours out broken glass onto the on Page's back. It looked absolutely brutal. Swerve then hits a 450 off the top rope onto Page. Page then hits an avalanche fallaway slam on the barbed wire table. Page then hits a dead eye. Page then hits a buckshot larry again. Wrath then almost counts out, counts out Swerve, but Nana pulls Swerve out of the ring. Cage is here. Cage, Cage ends up attacking uh, Page. Nana then hits Page with a chair, but Page ends up hitting a, a dead eye on Prince Nana through a table. It looked absolutely brutal. Swerve then hits Page with a center block, and then Swerve wraps a chain around Page. Referee ends up counting to 10, <coughs> and your winner of the match is Swerve. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, a couple things I want to say about this match, man, and I I, I have to reiterate this. Uh, Swerve. Swerve is underrated, man. Swerve is... That dude's insane, man. Uh, Swerve, what he's been doing as of late in this heel turn and, and him being a heel and working with Prince Nana and everything else, it just works. And honestly, he's one of the best heels in the business right now. Um, and this match was just brutal, man. I, for what it's worth, I thought Paige was going to win this matchup. I really did. You know, both of them were busted wide open. I mean, I, th I think at one point, like, it just it was just gruesome, man. It was just absolutely gruesome. Um, it was probably a candidate for match of the year, to be honest with you. This match between Swerve and Paige and this Texas death match that happened at Full Gear is probably a candidate for match of the year. I mean, these guys tore the house down. Um, and to be honest with you, you know, and I've said this multiple times about Swerve, Swerve needs to be in title contention at some point. And if he's not, Swerve 100% needs to be a part of this Continental Classic Tournament and Page. They need to be a part of it in some kind of capacity, whether it's Swerve or Page, they need to be a part of it. And Swerve, at some point here soon, needs to have championship gold. I mean, that guy is putting in work, man. That guy, I mean, damn, bro. That guy, the matches he's had as of late have just been phenomenal. And for what it's worth, and... I'm not trying to take anything away from Adam Page, but Swerve is really saving Adam Page's career, to be honest with you, because he was at a stalemate, man. I mean, Page wasn't doing shit. He wasn't. And I mentioned this multiple times. Before this storyline happened with uh, Swerve and Page, Page was not doing shit. It, it was mainly, at the time, Omega and the Bucks and stuff like that. Omega was dealing with Don Callis, obviously, and everything else like that. Page was sitting on the sidelines, man. He wasn't really doing shit. So when this Swerve thing came around and Swerve had now not one but two matches with Paige, I mean, this match right here was an absolute banger. I mean, it was insane. Like I said, candidate for match of the year, 100%. And hats off to Swerve for getting the win in that matchup. Moving on from that, we go into the next match of the night. It is the Young Bucks versus the Golden Jets, Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho. 
Um, I thought it was a good match, man. Back and forth matchup between both teams with the Young Bucks keeping the pace of the match. Jericho then hits a lion salt. Jericho also applies a wall to Jericho, but the hold is broken. Jericho then hits a hurricanrana off the top rope. Nick Jackson then hits a Judas effect. Young Bucks then hit a BTE trigger for a near fall. Omega then goes for a one-wing angel, but Nick counters it with a poison rana. Matt then hits a one-wing angel for a near fall, but Omega ultimately hits a one-wing angel, pins for the three. And your winners of the match and new number one contenders for the AEW Tag Team Championships are Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho. After the match, Nick Jackson was completely frustrated, as well as Matt Jackson. They were using chairs, hitting the turnbuckles and stuff like that in the ring post, showing signs of frustration uh, with Kenny Omega and how their career has been as of late, which is obviously building up a great storyline for the return of the Young Bucks after they take some time off. Uh, moving on from that, we're going to our next match of the night. It is the main event of Full Gear. It is Jay White versus Adam Cole for the AEW World Championship. Uh, Cole comes down to the ring in crutches. Uh, but before the match even takes off, an ambulance arrives. It's MJF. MJF comes down to the ring in the match, and he wants he still wants the match with Jay White. Referee then sounds for the bell, and now we get Jay White versus MJF. But Jay White was quickly attacking MJF. He was keeping the pace of the match. Gun Club then get involved by attacking MJF ringside. MJF then hits a kangaroo kick. MJF then hits an elbow drop to the outside. MJF then hits a tombstone on Jay White as well. MJF then hits a cutter by jumping out of the ring to the outside on Jay White. It looked absolutely brutal. Jay White then applies a figure four leg lock working on the injured leg of MJF. Cole looks to throw in the towel, but MJF quickly breaks the hole. Cole then goes to hit Jay with the title, but Jay grabs the title instead and hits MJF with the referee being distracted for a near fall. Referee is knocked out. Cole then pulls out the Dynamite Diamond Ring. Jay grabs the ring, but Jay goes to use the ring. MJF then hits a low blow on Jay White. And then MJF then hits Jay with the ring. Pins for the three. And your winner of the match is MJF. Couple things I want to say about this match, man, before I get, you know, towards the you know, the highlights of the show, if you will. Um, this was a solid match, man. I know a lot of people were confused and some people were even pissed off about how this match went down between Jay White and MJF. I I wasn't pissed at all, man. I I think this is a great storyline right now with this whole, you know, who's in the devil's mask, who are the devil's entourage, if you will, that have been attacking people and attacking the acclaimed, who are these people, you know, who is the devil in the devil's mask? We have no idea, you know, and this was the first time that we've seen Jay White I mean, not Jay White, Adam Cole on TV since he injured his leg. Uh, I believe it was on a dynamite, you know, and then here he, here he, here he is now uh, being a part of a match in crutches. You know, my personal belief, I'm going to say this again, man. I think Adam Cole is the devil. I think he plays a humongous part into this storyline. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Britt Baker's also involved as well. I, you know, it's just, it's telling a hell of a story, you know, obviously, you know, then you, you also had to look on the flip side of that coin, man. The next pay-per-view is World's End, and it's at the Nassau Coliseum in New York. It, it's MJF's hometown. What better way to call a, paper, a pay-per-view World's End than have Adam Cole turn on his best friend, his brochacho, being the devil and turning his back on MJF? I mean, think about it, man. It sells itself, 100%, 100%. And I can't wait to see the storylines leading up to World's End. It's going to be absolutely phenomenal stuff, but definitely looking forward to that. As far as for uh, Full Gear is concerned, man, this was a solid, solid pay-per-view. 
from I mean honestly from top to bottom there was you know obviously some some holes here and there that could be fixed especially pertaining to the main event there was a lot of plot holes that were kind of all over the place when it pertains to Adam Cole MJF Jay White and it was kind of all over the place um, but as far as matches and what we got phenomenal stuff phenomenal I mean number one Julia Hart I mean Julia Hart I told you guys before about Julia Hart her ceiling is very very high in AEW. And the you know amount of work that she's put in to build up her craft and the matches that she's had, it's been great to see, man. It's been phenomenal to watch. And her moonsault is severely underrated. Uh, was I surprised that she won this match? A little bit, because I didn't think Statlander was going to drop the belt just yet. Um, but was I also happy at the same time? Yeah, because Julia Hart deserved that title, that, that title win. She deserved that opportunity. And she's putting in time, effort. And she's making it look effortless almost at this point. And she's really building up her craft in the ring. A lot of people are starting to get behind Julia Hart. And for what it's worth, you know, and I said this before, I think it was like a week or two ago, I think Julia Hart is one of the the best pieces right now in the entire House of Black. I think she's one of the, the best known things in the House of Black right now. She's the most relevant right now because Malachi Black and Brody King, I mean, yeah, they had the tag team match and the ladder match, but other than that, they're really not doing anything besides that. Buddy Matthews, uh, he hasn't been really doing a whole lot here as of late, even though, yes, he did have a match with Claudio Castagnoli at zero hour. But before that, they really weren't doing that much. And a lot of spotlight in the House of Black was leaning towards Julia Hart because she was, try- you know, for what it's worth, kind of in a storyline. You know, this whole spraying everybody with mist, spraying Willow, spraying Sky Blue, and Sky Blue's character completely changed. And even during this match with Julia Hart, Sky Blue, and Statlander, Sky Blue, and Julia Hart were kind of both working together in the beginning of the match. And I believe Julia Hart at Sky Blue even embraced in the beginning of that match and then attacked Statlander. So we don't know where Sky Blue is going to fall into this. You know, is she going to join Julia Hart in the House of Black? Who knows? Who knows? Um, You know, obviously the Continental Classic Tournament with the announcement of Mark Briscoe joining this tournament as well as Eddie Kingston. Uh, And I mentioned this earlier in the podcast about Eddie Kingston and the comments that he made about the Continental Classic. Um, You know, him putting both belts on the line. Uh, the winner will be a triple crown champion with, you know, obviously the Ring of Honor World Championship, the New Japan Strong Championship, and the new possible AEW Championship being the Continental Championship, which will make that person, that individual, a triple crown champion, which has a lot of, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of, like I said earlier, the old days of AJPW, All Japan Pro Wrestling, where you had, you know, their champions had three different belts like Misawa and Kawada and stuff like that. That were you know triple crown champions Stan Hansen Vader, uh, they were all they were all at one point a part of the All Japan Pro Wrestling brand. Uh, brand. Uh, obviously, Doctor Death Steve Williams was also a big part of uh, All Japan Pro Wrestling as well. So I think it's great. You know, I think it brings a lot more spotlight to that individual wrestler whoever wins that tournament. Um, and the fact that you're not carrying one, not only one but two but three championships uh, at the same time simultaneously, man, it's gonna be awesome. You know, and that really just highlights that individual as one of the top draws in AEW. And that's why I think this tournament is going to be very special. And like I told you guys earlier, I think this is the G1 for the, for America. I mean, the G1 in New Japan is absolutely insane. I think it goes on for weeks, if not months. And it's the best of the best in the world in the G1. Um, and we're kind of getting the same thing here with this round-robin Continental Classic Tournament in AEW, which all will all come to an end. And the winner will be crowned at World's End December 30th at the Nassau Coliseum in New York. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. Definitely gets me excited about World's End for sure as well. Um, 
Other things I want to get into about Full Gear as well, obviously the signee, the big elephant in the room, who was going to sign their contract with AEW, and that was none other than the man himself, Will Ospreay. A lot of people were disappointed with this. I think a lot of people were actually pissed off that it was Will Ospreay because people have already seen Will Ospreay in an AEW ring, even though he was not contractedly signed to that company. Um, and this was all part of the whole Forbidden Door uh, 1, you know, where Osprey came over, had great matches in AEW, kind of setting up the storylines for uh, Forbidden Door. Uh, but now he signed a contract with AEW, and he's going to stick around for a couple years. So I was all for it, man. Did I have an inkling that it was Will Ospreay? I said Will Ospreay or Mercedes Monet. Uh, do I still believe we'll see Mercedes Monet? I think it's a possibility. Yeah, I think it's I think it's definitely possible that we'll see uh, Mercedes Monet in AEW. It's just it's only a matter of time. Um, and for for what it's worth, this was perfect for Osprey. You know, Osprey, it was a win win. You know, Osprey obviously wanted to still remain uh, in England. He didn't he didn't want to move out of England. He wanted to stay in England, not you know for his family and stuff like that. Um, he obviously still wanted to do some work with New Japan. I know he wanted to do stuff with Impact and stuff like that. And Tony Khan is allowing these superstars and this talent, both men or women, to do that and have the luxury of going to different companies and working. And it, it just fits Osprey perfectly. He makes his money. He's 30 years old. He still has a lot of time left in professional wrestling. He's not even in his prime yet. Um, he just has a lot of time on his belt. And what better way to do that than be in AEW to still wrestle a TNA you know, episode or a New Japan pay-per-view or New Japan or so on and so forth, man. And not only that, creative freedom over him, you know, his own, you know, character in the ring. I mean, Osprey is probably, if not the best wrestler in the world right now. I would argue maybe it'd be a tie between him and MJF, but Osprey's up there, man. Osprey's putting on five star classic matches for a long, long time, and he's been putting in a lot of work here over the past year, man. Osprey's been going all over the place, putting on five star matches. So to have him as an AEW as all elite. Uh, it's only going to elevate AEW, to be honest with you, man. It's going to get a lot more eyeballs on the product and get more people enthused to want to watch AEW. And I think this is maybe not the shot in the arm that AEW needs, but this is definitely much more, and this is an improvement of what they, you know, what they had. Um, and I definitely look forward to who's going to challenge Osprey next. And I think Osprey, we'll, we'll see Osprey at Revolution uh, in February, I believe. So I'm definitely looking forward to that as well. Um, again, you know, I mentioned Swerve. Swerve severely underrated. Um, you know, the all, the six-man tag team matchup with uh, Nick Wayne Christian and Luchasaurus versus Sting, Darby Allen and Luch, uh, Adam Copeland, solid matchup. I thought both entrances for you know Christian and uh, Sting's team was absolutely awesome. Um, Sting had a, you know, standing ovation after the match. I believe his son was also in the crowd too as well, congratulating Sting. Darby Allen was on the microphone telling everybody this was the last time that Sting will be in California, so obviously the crowd erupted. Um, and, you know, again, this is a part of Sting's retirement tour, man. Sting will be done at Revolution, and I think Steve's going to have one hell of a ride. And for what it's worth, man, I think, you know, a lot, I think a lot of people thought Ric Flair was going to take a little spotlight away from Sting during this matchup, but that wasn't the case. And, and Ric Flair even got involved. He even got, he even attacked Christian Cage, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. So it's a hell of a ride that Sting's on right now, man. It's a great retirement tour for Sting. Um, he, he'll definitely be missed 100%. I mean, Sting, you, you want to talk about the accolades that this man has from, you know, just his time, you know, in the business. I mean, what he's done, you know, from his time, obviously, in WCW and the transformation that he had from Surfer Sting to Crow Sting and how that took off being a part of the NWO, you know, his short time in WWE, obviously his time in Impact Wrestling and now AEW. I mean, 
he's had a phenomenal career, man. That's stand over for decades, you know. So to see him retire in AEW, I'm all for it, man. And like I said, hopefully Darby Allen is a part of that, you know, his last match. <coughs> um, and I think it's a passing of the torch from Sting to Darby. I think Darby's a lifer for AEW. I don't think I don't think Darby's going to damn place as far as professional wrestling is concerned if it's not AEW. Darby is a lifer for AEW, man. That guy's going nowhere. And not only that, speaking of Darby, I think he actually is going to be taking some time off as well because supposedly Darby's actually trying to climb Mount Everest. So, hey, man, I'm all for it, man. Darby is Darby's that guy, man. Darby's he's a wild card. That's for sure, man. He's he's definitely a wild card. Um, but he is another sting to me. And that's and as given, you know, Darby a lot of praise. But I feel like when it, I'm when I'm saying this, I mean that Darby is a lifer for AEW. I don't see him going anywhere else. Um, and Sting was too. I mean, Sting was a lifer for AEW. until He was there from the beginning until the time they, they closed up shop. And they were bought out by Vince. And even then, Sting was, you know, he didn't go to WWE, man. He went to Impact. So, I mean, Sting, <coughs> Sting's a lifer. And I think Darby Allin fits that same mold, if you will, that Sting had, that same morale where, you know, Sting was a lifer for WCW, well, Darby's going to be a lifer for AEW, and he's going to watch it and, and, and watch AEW grow <clears throat> to what it can be and hopefully what it will be. But all in all, solid night for full gear. I definitely look forward to this Continental Classic Tournament as well, which will uh, begin this week on Dynamite. I'm definitely looking forward to that, and hopefully we get some more names announced for that tournament. I think they have eight more names to announce for that tournament. Um, so I'm all for it, man. I think it's going to be an absolutely awesome tournament, like I said, which kicks off uh, this week on Dynamite. And again, full gear, solid show, phenomenal show. We got new champions crowned. Julia Hart was crowned new champion for the TBS Championship. Um, and not only that, we get a match of the year candidate with Adam Page and Swerve in that Texas death match. That will probably go down as match of the year for 2023, in my honest opinion. But with that being said, this is my review of AEW's Full Gear. I hope you guys are out there staying safe. Be careful, and remember, stay classic. Peace.